Greetings from deep in the bowels of Toyota Center. The Rockets will be playing tonight. They'll be playing tomorrow, but they'll be going to Denver. But forget all that. John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies are in town this weekend. And is there anything right now in the NBA that's more must-see than that? This is Jonathan Fagan with Danielle Lerner. Thank you again for joining us on the Texas Sports Nation podcast. What do you think, Danielle? We'll skip past everything else and go straight to this. I find this stuff unbelievably compelling. The, what he did last night, it was just great. And there's a reason I'm starting a Rockets podcast with John Morant. But before we get to that ridiculous stretch, it was pretty great stuff to watch last night, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, Memphis, my, uh, my former home. Uh, it's, uh, it's always good to see everyone pumped up inside FedEx forum. And I mean, that game was just ridiculous. Forget even, even the stat line, the stat line on its own is ridiculous. 52 points. But then you see the, some of the plays that he makes within a game that special is crazy. Like he, I mean, the poster dunk over Jakob Pertl, um, the crazy, like almost like volleyball set buzzer beater from the corner. I, I mean, he's. He does ridiculous things every single night. And I think after that block that he had a, a couple weeks ago, um, the chase down block, it's like, can he really surprise people too. anymore? I forgot about that one. That, that was, wow. To ca- that was the one he caught. He didn't block, yeah, he, he just he, snared. Yeah, it's uh, his, his dad made a joke that he got his deodorant on the backboard. <laughs> yeah, I hate when that happens. <laughs> You, okay, and now here's the reason I I thought it would be a good place to begin. Besides the Rockets' fun back-to-back next week, as opposed to this back-to-back, where they go Clippers followed by Jazz. Oh, my gosh. And then they go to Denver. But the back-to-back next week against the Grizzlies and Heat, the reason I thought we'd start that is, is and I'm going to start with the disclaimer, for years – if there was a guy who rebounds coming out of college, but he's only 6'6", people would say, well, Charles Barkley, you know, he could be Charles Barkley. If there's a guy who's a great athlete, terrific too, but not much of a shooter, hey, Clyde Drexler, he could develop like Clyde Drexler. Well, you know what? Those guys are Charles Barkley and Clyde Drexler. That guy isn't. So, okay, I put that disclaimer in. As you think of the Rockets, to have an incredibly athletic skinny guard you know, it can work. There, there, there is an incredibly athletic skinny guard who's doing a few things in the NBA. So I grant you, okay, Jalen Green and, and John Morant are not doing the same things yet. Not right now. But when you watch these John Morant things, you think, okay, who else might be able to do some of that stuff in the NBA? Am I out of my mind? Or, hey, can that be something that Jalen Green, in his third year, might be doing regularly? I mean, I think you're exactly right. I think we've seen flashes of it. Just the, the similarity to me is just how aggressive they are attacking downhill. Like, that's where you see that. Um, you know, you see that with in-game dunks that Jalen does all the time. He had another great one uh, in Orlando the other night where you're just like, how does he elevate like that? You know, how does he get that explosiveness? Um, so that I think is is a similarity, but obviously, you know, it's it's the smaller little things that 
Jalen Green as, you know, a 20 year old needs to, to get better at. But I don't think that that's off base to say that that's kind of a, a level that is within his reach. It's at least possible. I mean, there's such a long way to go. There's a magic to Ja to where he finds the cracks and crevices in a defense and how he creates at that speed a way to get through them. So that's what you can't measure in that in Jalen Green's or John Morant's vertical leap or some of those things or his just vision to find a way to, to get to the rim or find openings to hit floaters and then his handle to get where he wants to go. These are all things that right now separate them, but you just see glimmers of it with Jalen where he's starting to, like the other night against the Clippers, it was not a good night and he made two of 10 threes, but the difference in how he's moving and finding his opportunities is growing rapidly now, more rapidly and as we are recording this podcast, it, it, it's Tuesday midday, so just about an hour before the Rookie of the Month stuff and Player of the Month and all that starts coming out. Uh, you know, I don't know if he can be Western Conference Player of the Month with one win in February. They might hold that against him, and understandably so. But he's scoring more points, shooting a better percentage, shooting a better three-point percentage than the other rookies. And so there is something that's coming. And if he does get that kind of recognition, it would be totally meaningless in a season where you have one of the three worst records in the NBA. But it would sort of say, hey, what you the way you wrote him off early in the year, he's progressing. He's improving. So that might be something to watch. But I, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe because I'm, I'm just thinking, writing, watching Rockets day after day after day. Watching Ja last night, I thought, you know, can this guy do that stuff? Will will we be seeing that when in his third year? And remember, Ja had all had much more time in college to continue to grow, and he works incredibly hard to become what he's become. Will we see some of this stuff from Jalen Green? Well, and the other thing with Jalen Green that you have to remember, other than I think the college lack of college experience that Ja had is is a is a big point and a fair point, but he has not played alongside what even this version of the Rockets would consider to be their full strength team for a lot of it. He and Kevin Porter Jr., who's supposed to be his, you know, backcourt mate, have really not played very many games together over the course of the season, um, less than 40. That's the other thing. And now that they have Dennis Schroeder, um, who had a, a great game against the Clippers um, last night, of course, while he was filling in for Porter, that can also help, but it's also it can be detrimental to someone's development if they're not getting consistent experience alongside the guys that they're supposed to be playing off of. Now, Jalen Green is more than capable of handling the ball himself. We've seen him do that a number of times for the Rockets, but you've got to think that it also throws him off a little bit to kind of have his responsibilities shift from week to week, depending on who else is available. And you bring up a good point too uh, about Dennis Schroeder in that is it beneficial to Jalen Green or anyone else, certainly Josh Christopher, to play next to a point guard? And that brings us to the larger debate about how do you develop this team? Oh, they're playing a guy with eight years, nine years in the league. Why are they doing that? Well, because he can help other people with their development. 
And really, that goes back to what we were saying before about Jalen Green. Oh, you know, he could be rookie of the month, which he certainly was not in early months. So the Rockets have not emphasized development. Well, then why are people developing? You know, he he's the guy most obviously developing. It doesn't help to throw a guy, in this case, Josh Christopher, overboard to learn how to swim if he drowns. Once he drowns, it's too late. You can't say, oh, you know what, let's take him to the kiddie pool and start there. Asking him to be full-time point guard, let's say he's playing 18 minutes, which is what he was playing before Dennis Schroeder. Now it's down to about 12, 14. If he's playing 18 to 22 minutes as a point guard, is he going to develop if he gets overwhelmed, as he like the Toronto game, someone that jumps out at you, where it did not go well? Or is he going to develop more getting to do what he does well, fitting to his strengths, playing next to a point guard, Dennis Schroeder? For that matter, you know, Eric Gordon can get them in their offense. He can do things. I'm not sure when he was a teenage rookie, he could do that. So I'm not saying Josh Christopher won't ever be able to. He's playing next to a guy who's an example of a combo guard. This whole idea, though, of... The only way to develop rookies is by playing them until they drop and don't play anybody who can, you know, legally buy beer. No, that uh, that's a way, but it's not the only way. And in some cases, it's not the best way. Yeah. I mean, I think Josh Christopher even expressed when Dennis Schroeder got here, he was excited because he would get to play more in his natural position at the two and learn from Dennis by playing alongside him. Occasionally, yes, get the opportunity to still be at point guard, but he was kind of like, now I get to concentrate and have more of tunnel vision on the skills that I already have and making them sharper instead of trying to all of a sudden learn a bunch of new things. And then maybe you're almost plateauing a little bit because your attention is split. Um, I think that that's a very valid concern to anyone who's tried to, to do something new or, or gotten into a new job. You try to do too much at once and it divides your attention in a way that can be negative. Yeah, I would think, you know what, if I decide to do a career change and become a surgeon, I think it would be better if I go to school and learn how rather than just start opening people up. I'm going to assume. I don't know. And you know what? I'm not planning to make that career change at this point. Lucky for us. But good for patients, you know, it probably would not work out well. But yeah, and then I'll take the flip side where I said there, it's not the only way and not necessarily the best way to develop. I also think Alperin Shangun, you know, there's some nights he gets just overwhelmed trying to do pick and roll coverage and teams look at him and go, pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. How are you going to handle it? I think he can and some nights shows evidence of he can learn from the struggles. He's the guy who you throw overboard, at least in that regard, defending pick and rolls, which is his big weakness. He looks like the guy you throw overboard and he does learn how to swim. That he's, I think he's a guy who can learn from his struggles in that area. I don't know if he'll ever be really good. Maybe he will. That would be something to see. I mean, you look, talk about another guy the Rockets are going to see in a couple of days, Nikola Jokic. He is so much better defensively than people would have said a few years ago. Now, I'm pretty sure Alpi is not going to grow and become a seven-footer in a couple of years, which is an advantage Jokic has. But, you know, he is so much better than anyone would have predicted defensively. I think 
Alperin Shangun is a guy who he can learn from some of the struggles and, and grow from those. So you don't, the ways that work maybe best for Josh Christopher might not be the ways that work best for him. Well, and it's funny you bring up Jokic because when I was talking to Alfie in Orlando the other day, he, he obviously brought up Jokic as someone who he admires greatly and mentioned that they share an agent. I think it's their, their European agent. So that sometimes he'll text Jokic and ask him for advice through the agent. So uh, that's definitely, I think, a comparison that Alpi would welcome. I don't think he's quite there yet, as you said. But yeah, I think that we've seen just in the recent games, either whether he struggles or he has a really, really good game like he did when Christian Wood was out um, against Phoenix. He's learning incrementally in every one of those experiences, whether it's good or bad. And the other part, of course, that fans do not see is what happens outside of games in practices and how they're taking those little steps, even in practices, even if it's not translating to the court in games every single night. You know, Alpi was saying, like, in practices, they've obviously been playing him with Christian Wood a lot more. They're trying to get a sense of if that partnership is something that they can use on a more regular basis or if it's just going to be a matchup thing. And he's getting way more comfortable with it because they've been doing it so often in practice. That takes us to another area, and it's one, okay, it's ground we've traveled an awful lot, but somehow, some way, Christian Wood has to be as good as he can be offensively with a big man next to him, as he has been since they stopped playing him regularly with a big man. I mean, they stopped playing with Daniel Tice because they were losing like crazy, and the offense was terrible. But the defense was middle of the NBA, between 15 and 19, uh, depending on which day you looked at it, when they played together. Well, the defense is horrible ever since. It's the worst in the league ever since. If Even if it's not going to be Alper and Shangun playing the majority of the minutes together with him, I, I think you need to have, and boy, if that's not clear now, uh, between Zubats and then Gobert, <laughs> and then uh, Stephen Adams coming up, Jokic in Denver. They're going to see some big, big people. Uh, the Rockets, I think, in the future need to have the option of playing him with a really big guy and having that go well. So, yeah, it would be good if it could be with the big guy they've already got. Uh, now, I don't know that he's the defensive anchor and he's the guy you want knocking around with Stephen Adams all game. Uh, they go to New Orleans later in the month. Okay, deal with uh, Valanchunas. I mean, they're getting all the, the piano movers this month. At some point, they got to find a way to be as good as they can be offensively while also playing a lineup that can be better defensively. And yeah, maybe those two guys together, or at least two very big people together. I mean, they're front court. Jayshon Tate plays way bigger than 6'4", and he's playing really well. But he's 6'4", Eric Gordon 6'3". Those are your forwards. I mean, they're smaller than a lot of backcourts. They're smaller than the Rockets' backcourt. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think they got to find a way to play two large people together. And a good way to find out if that can work is playing the two they have together. And among the piano movers, as you like to call them, that you mentioned, this guy doesn't necessarily fall into that category, but Bam Adebayo with Miami is playing out of his mind defensively lately. You know, he's not a seven-footer by any means, but he, he's a guy that's going to be a problem as well. So they've got, they've got a big load in front of them in these next few games. 
that's a good example uh, of you don't have to be the seven footer. But there's, you know, that goes back to how we started. You know, so, hey, he's only 6'9". He can be Bam Adebayo. No, he can't. That guy's Bam Adebayo. The one you're talking about is not. Um, you know, I saw somebody compare him to Aaron Donald. I thought that was really good, where he's physically incredible, but not tall. But so what? You know, he's a dominant defensive force. Yeah, but he's not tall. Oh, well, who cares? He's Aaron Donald. Well, you know, Bam has got some of that. You know, where you don't have to go by, you know, the measurements. You start with that maybe. And then, you know, this is right after I say, but it, you go with 6'4 power forward and 6'3 small forward might not work. And defensively, Eric Gordon, in some ways, it's incredible. I mean, he might be their best post defender still. He's really good, but he rebounds like a 6'3 guard. So it's maybe, and rim protection isn't going to be there with the 6'4. 6-3 combination. So they do need to do... I, I, the, these last 22 games, there's a lot of ways they need to experiment. Having two tall people at the same time would seem to be one of them. But as long as we're bringing up uh, you know, the Lumberjacks and the other big men, this is going to be a year where center is actually going to be MVP. Who should it be? If I, if I had to cast my vote right now, it would still be for Giannis. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, there's a really tall guy, but not necessarily the center. Although I think they're they're best when he's closing games at center. I mean, that's an incredible lineup. It's interesting, and there's nothing wrong with that pick. I think he finishes. Nah, he might finish second. I don't think he's going to win it. Right now, it just looks like there's so much momentum for Embiid. But I, to me, why why not? Jokic. I mean, what he's doing is unprecedented. Uh, he, he, his combination of scoring, playmaking, rebounding, now he defends. Maybe he's not quite Embiid defensively. And, you know, there's so much was made about Embiid. You know, he didn't have Ben Simmons all season. Well, yeah, Jokic didn't have Michael Porter Jr. and he didn't have Jamal Murray all season. Uh, I mean, they're 36 and 25. <laughs> it doesn't just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of momentum for him to win it again. But right now, by a slim margin, if I had a vote, which I no longer do, I'd be leaning Jokic. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. I think that's that's what's making this season so compelling in, in a lot of ways is that it is all these big men who are doing astounding things. Um, so I've enjoyed watching it. And another guy who I don't think is going to win it and who I wouldn't vote for, but who has just been playing MVP caliber late, especially lately, is Luca. I mean, he's been averaging like 34 points over the last, like, I don't know, two weeks or something crazy like that. It's hard to imagine a guy dominating more than he has. You know, we started talking about Ja and, you know, he is the must-see TV of them all. But Luca, what he is doing, it, it, and then the other guy, who I think now is into the top five. So you know, sorry, Chris Paul, you're hurt. Sorry, Steph Curry, you know, go go somewhere and hit a thirty-five foot three pointer and have everybody be amazed. But it's Demar Derozan. My gosh, he's got them fighting for first in the East. 
doing stuff no one's done since Jordan, no one's done since Chamberlain. I mean, right there, we, we just listed five guys, all worthy, without saying anybody on the two top teams in the West. You know, Chris Paul or Devin Booker or uh, Steph Curry, you know, just who's been fantastic, which is good. There's a lot of guys. And, you know, when things get really dull towards the end of the year, and I don't think they get as dull anymore in the last few weeks because the play-in tournament gives you new storylines. But, you know, will the Lakers, will the Nets make the playoffs? Which, by the way, okay, I'm going to go in another brief side because I said the word Lakers. Can we go a weekend without the Lakers or Knicks being on national television, the two most disappointing teams in the league? You know, talk about Jokic and John Morant. Those are the guys who are most fun to watch. Those teams are unbelievable to watch. They're they're just great. Who's on Saturday night? The big showcase game. Hey, it's the Lakers again. What do you know about that? This Don't is, forget, is, though, soon DJ Augustine's going to be there. So it's really going to be the show. Yeah, I'm happy for him. And so I guess I should show more respect to the Lakers because all their problems are solved now. They'll, they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, but I am happy for him that, you know, he I, he wanted to stay here. He wanted to, he lives here. He's with his family here. But to finish out the year, you know, okay, it's a, it, it's not like he has to move and move his whole family. He'll be back here soon um, and then decide what he wants to do with his career because I would assume the Lakers won't be picking up the option on the last year of his contract. But, you know, they, it's not like they're not going to make the playoffs or at least the play-in and maybe more. I mean, Anthony Davis will come back. I mean, they, they just don't look good. They look terrible. Terrible. But uh, And, you know, LeBron didn't look good the other night. Defensively, there were times he was just wandering around. You know, kind of as he did that one year in Cleveland where he sort of lost interest in the middle of the year and had a good solid month, you know, January to early February where he just wasn't wasn't doing it. They got some real problems there. But, you know, DJ Augustine to continue his career on a team that seems to really like 30-something-year-old veterans, it'll be a good thing for him too. But I, I just go back to my other point is – Maybe the NBA needs to have, and their television partners, better flex scheduling because there's guys that you really should be looking, watching instead of being forced. This is like the early 80s where there was one game on a week and it was, it was Celtics, Sixers, Lakers. You know, it was one of those three every single time. You just knew it. Okay. And there's, they were great to watch. Nothing wrong with that. But uh, the NBA might want to put the guys you can't miss, so give you a chance to not miss them. Hey, I'm not in TV. But, you know, it does so. There's a whole lot of stuff to talk about, you know, there's, and to watch right now. It's, it's not really the dog days of the season where sometimes it can be. Post-All-Star break, post-trade deadline, not quite ready to look to the playoffs. This can be right now. There's some guys who are very compelling, you know, really worth seeing. And we were able to talk for a good 25 minutes, relatively little about the last place team in town. I mean, that's an accomplishment in itself. They are what they are. I, I do think there are things to be gained in the final weeks of the season. Besides the experimenting, 
if guys are progressing and they are, can the team progress? Can they build any kind of momentum? And that's not going to look good given the schedule they have in the next two weeks, but can they build some good feelings? Can they learn more about what they're doing? Uh, and you know what else? And we're not going to get into it this week, but it, it does serve as a good tease. It is March. It's time to start looking. It's already been time, but now you can really look at the guys the Rockets can consider drafting against better competition, higher stakes as we get to real March Madness. You know, the Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren. Uh, look at some of these. Jaden Ivey. There's some guys really worth. Paolo Bancaro, I think people are sort of downplaying because he's not as exciting as, as Smith and Holmgren. That's something maybe we'll definitely look at in these coming weeks and talk more about as we return to next week, next Tuesday, at the Texas Sports Nation podcast. Still a whole lot of stuff, and we'll talk more Rockets next week too, given what they'll be going through in the next few days of their schedule. For now, though, thanks for everybody for joining us. As always, get your Texas Sports Nation podcast wherever you enjoy getting your podcasts. Danielle, thank you. Enjoyed it. We'll be back again next week.